Hi everyone, my name is Siobhan Lancaster. I'm the CEO and Managing Director of 92 Energy, which is a uranium explorer in the Athabasca Basin of Canada. And we're currently in the midst of a three-way merger, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. We certainly are, Siobhan. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's getting a little bit um, exciting out there for sure. But I wanted to catch up with you and get an update as to how things are progressing and more importantly around the timing of it. So um, first of all, thanks for joining us. Uh, what can you tell no, us? What do we need to know? Well, um, you know, the mer merger is progressing as planned, um, which is always good news for investors. Um, we've we've had a, you know, good share price reaction, um, both 92 Energy and, of course, Atha Energy, as well as Latitude. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the market likes the transaction, which is always good news. Um and, uh, you know, we're just working our way through the process. So we're looking um, at putting out our scheme booklet sort of mid-Feb mid to late-Feb. Um, that will go out to our shareholders. Um, and then the scheme meeting is due sort of the last part of March, so um, last week of March, we're expecting that. So what's happening here? You're saying sort of Latitude will get over the line first in the sense they're going to put it to their shareholders at the end of Feb. You're going to put yours at the end of March. Why are they delay or, or the staggered approach? So they actually have um, different rules around takeovers in Australia and Canada and different timelines. So um, the, the notice of meeting, for example, I think um, in Canada is 20 days. The notice of meeting in, in Australia is 30 days. So just the different timelines um, uh, mean that, you know, we're, we're a full month behind latitude. Okay. And then talk to me about your shareholders and what they, how they can, um, I guess, play this. You know, so you may you have a lot of very happy shareholders that this is going through great share appreciation 36 up to 60 cents uh no one's complaining about that I'm, I'm sure but if if they were and they wanted to get out I mean what do they do yeah so look um uh obviously this is a Canadian company that is um acquiring us Atha Energy is listed on the CSE at the moment we actually recently or Atha recently announced um that they're hoping to uplist to the TSXV so we're not quite sure of the timing um, for that. And, of course, that is subject to the TSX making a decision in relation to it. But hopefully that occurs prior to the end of the transaction. Um, and, um, yeah, so so we're hope hopeful of that. Um, now, for our shareholders, um, they, of course, can stay in the stock. We are trading at a slight discount to the implied value at the moment. So I think on Friday it was around um, a 70 cents 77 cents implied value so we were trading around 60 cents so there still is a little bit of a, a, a discount there um, uh, and a bit of upside for people um, assuming of course that the scheme vote goes through and the Ather share price holds. Right and then we've had a few people sort of comment on the fact that well we're, we're Aussies we're in Australia we we can't or my my broker doesn't uh, trade on TSXB I mean obviously for them end of the line? Well Quite. I mean, there are quite a few international brokers that the Australians um, can can find. Um, uh, Canaccord, of course, has been helping us with the transaction, and they, of course, are a, an international broker. So, if any shareholders are interested in, in giving them a call and setting up an international account, that is an option. But we also will have um, a share sale facility. So if investors want to hold in, on until the end and get the script from Atha, they're able to do so and opt into that share sale facility. Um, so what that share sale facility actually means is that they can um, still sort of accept the consideration um, and uh, the share sale agent will actually sell those shares on their behalf 
within the first 20 days um, of, of the transaction taking place. Okay, fine. So th- there's a bit, th- there's the kind of process la- laid out. I'm sure there's a lot more information on your website as well. Let's let's talk about the benefits of this. And so look, um, maybe for people kind of coming in and looking at this new, um, can we just remind ourselves about the deal uh, and what that's going to do for 92 Energy shareholders? Yeah, sure. So it's obviously a three-way transaction that we've spoken about. So at the Energy is a Canadian uh, listed explorer. They have the largest land package in the Athabasca Basin and the Phelan Basin. So, of course, we'll get access to their assets. Um, Latitude as well will be coming into the transaction. They, of course, have the Angelac deposit, which is in none of it. That is a £42 million um, historical resource, um, and we're hoping that it has significant um, expansion potential. Um, so, that's quite exciting, um, and we're looking forward to getting out there and drilling that project as well. Um, and then, of course, our Gemini project. So we'll we'll have access to a significant amount of cash um, in this new uh, combined entity. It'll be approximately $65 million worth of um, a, a Canadian money. Um, and that, of course, will be de- deployed to all of these exploration programs, including our Gemini pro- program that we're really keen to get out there and do a lot more drilling on. Um, of course, we've spoken previously on this show about the 14-kilometre trend, which is yet to be explored, um, called the Gemini trend. Um, that that is something um, you know that if you have some money to deploy to, you know, there's a there's a good probability of additional discoveries along that trend. So, as we know in the Athabasca, you know, there's there's trends which have series of deposits on them. So we know that the Triple R and the Arrow deposit, for example, are along the same trend. We know that the Rabbit Lake trend had uh, Rabbit Lake, Eagle Point, Collin Bay, you know, a whole series of deposits along that. So this is something that we're very excited about um, to be able to sort of be able to get out there and explore that trend further um, and really explore the GMZ zone further as well. Right. Okay. So you, the transaction that's been put to your shareholders and end of March Will you get access to the money when you need the money to actually get on with it or are we going to miss a whole drill season? I mean, is the timing going to work out perfectly for you? Actually, um, the timing should be great. Um, So we've been doing some geophysics um, at the Gemini project um, just to get ready for the summer drill program. Um, Actually, the best time to drill Gemini is during uh, summer. Um, and um, and so that those drill seasons tend to begin to begin at you know late May, early June. So it's actually you know very good timing. Um, you know all of the takeover, if the timetable you know remains um, as expected, you know it everything should be done and dusted sort of uh, early to mid April. Um, and of course, you know everything should be together by that point, well in time for the summer drill programs. Okay, fantastic news. And now we've spoken with um, Troy uh, a few weeks ago. He seems very excited, laid out the plans, seems logical, sensible, and things very excited. Well, especially about your your Gemini project. Um, but um, what I, I guess people are going to be asking questions. What are you going to do? Do you know yet? Have you talked about roles and you know how you how you remain active? Yeah. So look, of course, um, Troy and I have very complementary skills. Um, He's obviously extremely technical. He's got that background from NextGen, that background from Cameco. So, you know, he's a great person to get out in front of investors talking about the geology. He's also very commercial. 
I'll be working alongside with him. I've obviously got more of a corporate background, um, corporate M and A. Um, you know, so we have very complementary skills. He's very sort of um, American focused or North American focused in his history. I'm, you know, more Australian and African. So it's very complementary during this um, timing in the market. And you know, I think I think it's going to be a great team. Um, I'm looking forward to getting out there with him. Okay, and literally getting out there with him. I mean, you're Perth, you're Perth based. <laughs> yes, I am Perth based. But you know, I have managed to run a company from Perth, so it's been done before. Um, so yeah, you know, look, sure, I'll be doing a bit of travel back and forth. Um, but uh, yes, I, I think it'll work well. Um, so I'll be on the board um, and Troy will be doing the day-to-day management of the business. Okay, fine. Um, let's talk about the broader market. And obviously people are getting quite excited. Um, equities are running a bit. Haven't really kind of um, caught up with the excitement further that uh, we're seeing with regards to spot price, for instance. Mind you, neither is term price. So do you, do you think that perhaps people are just getting a little bit excited and um, we've still got a waste in, in the sense of on spot price, but equities have got to play catch-up, don't they? Or, or, or are we done? Yeah, look, I, I do think equities are a little bit behind the eight ball here. Um, you know, I, 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 um, I think that the spot price has moved very quickly and very rapidly. And so maybe parts of the market are struggling to believe, well, is there substance behind it? But if you're a really true market observer in the uranium space, you understand that there is a fundamental supply side issue. And of course, Kazataprom, their recent announcement, um, basically takes 9 million pounds out of the market next year. So just to put that in context, the second largest mine in the world doesn't produce 9 million pounds of uranium. You know, it's a huge amount of uranium. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think you'll see term uh, prices very quickly start to catch up. You've got to understand as well, the way they quote those term prices in the market is the lowest contract price gets quoted. Um, uh, and so I, I think as well, it's a slight sort of, um, well, it, it doesn't give you the true picture of what's really going on in the contracts. So, um, my understanding is, um, you know, floors and ceilings are really starting to change dramatically. They've been going up. I think we'll see that those ceilings, you know, might be done away with altogether, um, which uh, would be really great for the producers and the supply, uh, suppliers of uranium out there. So, look, I think, I think equities is going to catch up at some point. They have to catch up at some point. This is a real market. You know, this is a real market problem as well. Um, so, you know, the spot has run hard, um, but, you know, there's often a delay. It takes a while to um, negotiate a contract and really understand the impact of, um, you know, what's happened in the market through that long-term contract pricing. Right. I mean, given, given those powers coming out of the market and, you know, even Cameco, I think they've, they've had a few kind of st- startup problems of, of their own. And you, look, I'm, I'm saying this, I'm asking this question in the context of you've worked in Africa, right? And you've served in Namibia and... That's it. There's, there's one for you. So obviously the Prime Minister um, has just passed away, um, 82 years old. I think there's been a transition and the new, new person has stepped in. Um, it seems seamlessly. But um, so obviously I think people are asking questions like, well, is Namibia going to be okay? But the next camps off the rank seem to be the African place. Those are the ones that are sort of most advanced in terms of the development and most likely to kind of maybe start seeing those contracts signed and money's raised and builds starting. But it's 
it still feels like a big gap. There's delta between this 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 kind of delta between what the forecast production is in 2025 versus um, the demand. We still got problems out there. What do you think? Maybe the the uh, utilities know something we don't. Look, I, I mean, I think we were having this conversation um, prior to us starting this interview. Um, look, I don't really know why why utilities sort of haven't got a, a bit more ahead of the eight ball here. You know, like that. It just, you know, I've been watching from a distance and looking at you know China going and entering into these massive contracts. Um, what's been going on there. And, you know, look, if I was a, a US utility, I would be paying really close attention to that and thinking, well, why are they doing that? Do they think there's a problem with supply, you know, more than three years out? They obviously do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be going out to the market and and entering those large contracts with Capsataprom, you know? So, so you've got to think of it like that. They're very strategic in how they think. It's it's not an open market. They're looking at where well, we're having the largest nuclear build out in the world at the moment. How are we going to make sure that we can keep the lights on going forward once we build those nuclear reactors? Um, and so maybe they're looking a bit further out into the future and maybe that's where um, the utilities in the Western world are not. They're looking, they're a bit more sort of three-year cycle if um so they might they might have a bit of inventory um but you know they're going to eventually go through that inventory and it's going to be a real problem for them in the making I, well yeah i think well, i think it is and um, i think people are also looking to see where cars are some fall where they've got contracts with west western utilities at the moment but you know will that remain the case going forward or, or will we see all of those pounds heading east that again is going to cause some real um, price movement. I, I suspect as uh, it's like bidding bidding wars is what I guess what people are expecting. And um, well, look, and um, Siobhan, thanks for giving us an update on where you're at. So we should be looking to hear something post end of March, so beginning of April. Really, you'll be able to announce what the results were of the. Of uh, the shareholder look, I mean, the the shareholder meeting um, should be the end of March. Um, so that that's when we know exactly, you know what is, you know, the final decision on the deal um, is in the hands of the shareholders. Um, uh, and, and that, of course, will be announced to the market as soon as we have the results of that. So right. the scheme booklet is something to look out for. All the information is going to be in the scheme booklet um, and that should be available to shareholders in the next few weeks. Right. And assuming the vote is positive, um, how quickly before conclusion of the transaction? Uh, it's, a, it's a couple of, couple of weeks post um, uh, post the actual vote um, is when the transaction is um, concluded. Uh, you know, so uh, 92 Energy is no longer listed on the ASX, etc. Beautiful. Okay, Siobhan, appreciate your time today. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me.